All right, we are uh, moving right along in our study in Romans. I really didn't know how we'd do when we started, if we'd be able to get through or not. And we are going to be able to make it. Uh, we're in chapter 14 tonight, and um, we're going to deal with 15 and 16 next week. That's our last Wednesday together. And um, chapter 16 is basically greetings that he gives to different people. We'll touch on some of that, but. We won't spend a lot of time on chapter 16. So we're in chapter 14 tonight. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for uh, the blessing of life. And we thank, the, thank you for the riches of your grace and the way that your grace is so clearly shown to us in the book of Romans. And thank you for the great privilege we've had over the last several weeks to work our way through it, to be exposed again to its wonderful truths, to be encouraged by its message. We thank you that our salvation really is all of grace, that we've been justified by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. And having been justified, we now have peace with you. And we thank you for all of that. We pray now that you would bless our uh, time in this chapter and you would uh, be our instructor, our guide, and our teacher again. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, remember we're in the practical section of the book of Romans. Uh, that began in chapter 12. Uh, chapter 12 begins with that all-important word, therefore. And uh, he is uh, now applying in some ways the great truths of salvation that he explained in the first 11 chapters of this book. And we're going to pick up uh, in chapter uh, 14, the heading in my text New American Standard says principles of conscience. What we're really dealing with tonight is the whole matter of what we call Christian liberty. When we talk about Christian liberty, we're, we're talking about the liberty that we have in the things that are not essential. You know, the Bible gives us some things that we are to do. Bible gives us other things that we are not to do, but there are some things in life that are, we might just say, morally indifferent, morally neutral. Now, we call that the adiaphora. That is what we know as things indifferent. Now, to be honest with you, a lot of the division in the church comes over this, over things that where we should have some liberty, where that liberty is imposed upon. Uh, a lot of division in the church comes over disagreements in the area of the adiaphora. Now, what are some of the things that we might consider to be under that heading? What's the main one in the church? Do I or don't I? Can I or can't I? Drink. Alcohol. What's another? All right, tobacco is another one. There we go. What's another one? 
<laughs> What's that? <laughs> people, people my age may need to go back a little farther. We had a lot of Audi Offer in my, uh, we, in my house that weren't considered Audi Offer. They were, they were on the you can't do that side. All right, Lord's Day. Now some would say that's not an area of liberty. But there are um, degrees, all right. In my day, all right, movies is another one. Very good, thank you. I don't, I don't go to movies, but it's not because I think it's wrong to go. It's just, I just don't like movies. All right. I couldn't tell you last time. Now, I think gambling would probably be over in the, you not, ought not do that category. There we go. That's, there's one. We never had a deck of cards in my house when I was growing up. Um, we didn't do anything. We didn't turn the TV on. I can get a bat out. I can get a ball out. Didn't go fishing. God forbid we fish on Lord's Day. Okay. Um, I did. I did dance a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure he knew it. <laughs> hey, hey, here's the worst thing. I was at a high school basketball game uh, one, one night, and my mother came home, and she, she was on the other side. She said, was that you over there spitting tobacco? I said, uh, yes, ma'am, it was. <laughs> I didn't do that anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> another one, when I was growing up, no, was, was you, you know, hey, couldn't shoot pool because people gambled over, over pool often, okay? So there are all kinds of things. Now, these are, there's, there's nothing. That baby wasn't crying until you got it. Is that Drew? <laughs> Look, I might as well just be open about it. I didn't know until Carrie came in the, the session meeting the other night that I called that baby Drew. <laughs> you talk about humiliated folks. I'm in, but you might as well be open about it. Y'all heard it. I can't hide from it. I have no recollection of that whatsoever. Anyway, I told him in the session meeting, at least we believe that the, the effect, effect, efficacy of the baptism doesn't depend either on the character or the intelligence and ability of the preacher. <laughs> well, I was not intending to do that to the poor child. Drew's a good name, but that's not the baby's name. All right. So here... All of chapter 14 is dealing with is basically this. 
What do you do about someone who says in the church, yep, that's okay. I can drink some. And another person says, I can't. And you ought not either. Now, in the text, and we're going to probably summarize a little bit tonight, because this is a kind of a topical, more of a topical thing. We're going to work through this part of the text. In, in the Bible, in, in this text, notice, notice who, is, who does it mention in uh, verse 1? One who is what? Weak. And the others are referred to as the strong. Who are the weak? All right. The weak are the ones who don't appreciate, understand, or grasp the liberty. The strong are those who do. Now, trying to kind of work through all that pastorally in a church can be a tricky thing. Dealing with it as church members when kind of strong opinions on either side. And, and most often the strongest opinions are over here. Okay? The, the tendency is for the weak to judge the strong. You ought not do that. And for the, the uh, uh, strong to look down on the weak as immature. But what does Paul say in verse 1? What's the, what's the second word in the text? What's that? Accept. Yeah. We're to accept one another. Now, accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. And, and what... Uh, there, there were two main issues in the church in Rome... And in Corinth, too, because Paul deals with it in 1 Corinthians. One is uh, diet, what you could eat. And the other were days, what you were to observe. Not necessarily the Lord's Day, but the Jewish religious holy days. The, notice what he says. Verse 2, one person has faith that he may eat all things... But he who is weak eats vegetables only. Now the context of that is, in that day, there was meat that was sacrificed to idols. The Gentiles would sacrifice meat to the pagan gods or idols. And the uh, meat from those sacrifices ended, often ended up in the market for sale. Now the weak said... I will never eat any meat sacrificed to any idol. And because I don't know for sure which meat is and which meat isn't, I'm going to become a what? A vegetarian. I'm going to eat vegetables only. And the strong says, sacrificing that animal to the idol, it didn't affect anything. Didn't change the quality of that meat. It's not going to impact me. Meat is meat. And so he felt free to eat the meat. Verse 3, the one who eats 
is not to regard with contempt the one who does not. That is, strong over here is not to look down with contempt, you immature Christian. Don't you know there's nothing wrong with that meat and you can eat it if you want? And the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats. Why? God's accepted him. Okay? God doesn't make those distinctions. Now, we're not talking about things right or things wrong, things forbidden or things allowed. We're talking about things indifferent, things that really don't matter. Verse 4, who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master, he stands or falls. And he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. That is, what we need to realize in the church is, and and Paul's going to make this very, very clear in just a few more verses. Both the weak and the strong are serving the Lord. The decisions they make on these moral issues, they're making before the Lord. And, and the weak thinks he is pleasing God by refraining. And the strong believes that he, he, he's pleasing God by participating. Verse 5. And what we, what, we, and what we need to understand through all this, let me erase some of this. One of our principal rules is God alone is Lord of the conscience. I can't bind Gary's conscience, and he can't bind my conscience. God is the one who binds our conscience. Now, the old saying is, let your conscience be your guide. If you do that, you're in deep trouble because our conscience can be misguided. Our conscience can be seared, scarred, hardened. We need to be guided by the Word of God. But God is Lord of the conscience. And He is the only one who can bind our conscience on these matters. Verse 5. One person regards one day, and we move from the dietary situation to the days. One person regards one day above another. Another regards every day alike. Okay? That is, some people observe even... Christians that day observed the Jewish holy days. The, the group we looked at last summer, uh, when we studied Galatians, the Judaizers, you know, they were the ones who kind of mixed Christianity and, and Judaism, and that's what we call them Judaizers. And, uh, you know, they would keep the holy days. Others regard every day alike, don't make any distinction. End of verse 5 is an interesting phrase. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. He must be fully convinced or convicted that what he is doing is right before the Lord. Verse 6, he observes the day, and here's what I was talking about earlier. He observes the day, observes it for the Lord. He who eats does so for the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. 
and he who eats not, for the Lord he does not eat, and gives thanks to God. You see, Paul's saying, look, on both sides, the strong and the weak, they're both in their own minds, in their own conscience, are convinced or convicted that they're doing it for the Lord. And, and in doing it, they're, they're, they're pleasing to Him. And for that reason, both the weak, weak and strong, need to give each other the benefit of the doubt. Before the strong condemn the weak as immature, and before the weak judge the, the strong as being unspiritual, need to give everybody the benefit of the doubt and realize, you know, they're probably doing this out of a good conscience. Convicted or convinced that their position is right. Verse 7, For not one of us lives for himself, not one dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, the way that we live or die we are the Lord's. Okay? Again, God is the Lord of the conscience. And, and we live for Him. And we live to please Him and to glorify Him and honor Him. And the, and the strong says, well, I can go out to dinner at Weidman's and I can order a glass of wine and I can, I can be completely pleasing to God in doing that. My dear departed mother says, we may go to Widener's, but don't bring a glass of wine to my table. If, a, if any alcohol ever touched across my mother's lips, I never knew about it. Now, anybody here know my mother? Was my mother weak? None, none, none. Nothing weak spirits about my mother. But she was convicted, convinced by her own conscience that this was inappropriate. As a believer, as a believer, living life before the Lord, that she could not do that. In her, her mind, she was convinced or convicted in her own conscience that if she did, she would be what? Displeasing to the Lord. And she was right. She was right. Now, before you say, what's right about a preacher? You're a teetotaler. That's not what I'm saying. My mother was convicted or convinced that for her it was wrong. For her to have done it against her conscience would have been a sin. Okay? It doesn't make the thing right or wrong. For her, it would have been wrong. It would have been a sin. Because she had this particular conviction that this particular activity was inappropriate for a believer. Verse 9, For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. And then in the next verse he talks again about judging. Verse 10, But why? Do you judge your brother? That is why you over here in the week, do you judge your brother? 
Why, Mrs. Schornebeck, would you judge someone who feels the liberty to have a glass of wine? Still in verse 10, or you again, why do you regard your brother, why do you strong regard your brother with contempt? That is, why do you make fun of Miss Schwanebeck because she is convicted in her own mind that it is not right to do. Verse 11. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Gary James does not have to answer to me. Gary, by me about using you in the world, sir. You're the closest one to me. Gary is going to have to give an account to a much higher court than the preacher. He's going to have to give an account of himself to God. And notice what it says. He's not going to account for anyone but himself. Verse 12, each one of us will give an account of himself to God. This person over here isn't going to account for my mother. And my mother, bless her heart as much as she would like to have, isn't going to give an account for those who disagree. Verse 13, therefore, here's his conclusion. Let us not judge one another anymore. It's clear they had been judging each other in, in, in the church in Rome. Let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Now we're getting a little more, a little more tricky. Because the freedom of the strong can be limited by the frailty of the weak. Even though I may have the feel the the liberty, the freedom before God to engage in particular activities, I need to be careful that my participating in that particular activity does not call this cause this person to stumble. Now, we can't either, on the flip side, allow the, the immaturity, I'll just use the word, the frailty of the weak to impose tyranny on, the, on others. You know, just because this person thinks it wrong doesn't mean I necessarily have to refrain myself. But I must refrain. I must refrain. If it would cause my brother or my sister to stumble. Now, I might have felt all day long the freedom to order a glass of wine if I was out with my mother. But I would never, ever do that. Not just because she would have been displeased with her son, but because she would have stumbled all over it. Not if it was just me. Look, look, 
she went to a church where they had wine on the outside and grape juice on the inside. I offended my mother. Churches need to be careful. Sure, we got the freedom, and sure, it sounds good to have the real stuff, but we got to be careful. Got to be careful that in our exercising our liberty, we don't cause others to stumble. My mother wouldn't mind me using her, by the way, on the street. Not in the church, she wouldn't. Um, verse 14. I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. All right, the, all this list of stuff we put up here this, a little while ago, nothing unclean about it. But to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. That's what I was saying a while ago. If you are convicted in your conscience that it is wrong, then no matter how right it might be, for you it is wrong. James says, for him who, who knows the right thing to do and does not do it to him, it is sin. And if in your mind you believe this is right and you do that, then for you, even though there's nothing inherently wrong with this, for you it has been sin. Verse 15, for if because of your brother, uh, because of food, your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with your food him for whom Christ died. He kind of says the same thing over and over in this chapter in different ways. He's saying, look, now he's moved from the, from the um, days back to the diet. And look, he says, if you, you may have the freedom to eat the, the meat sacrificed uh, to the idols, but if in your eating of it, your brother over here is hurt. He says, you are no longer walking in love. Now, I'll come back and do a little personal illustration in a minute. Verse 16, therefore do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you want to circle any verses in that chapter, circle those two. Do not let what is good for you, for you a good thing, be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom is not about these things. The kingdom is not about eating and drinking and card playing and spitting tobacco and movies or whatever it might be. The kingdom of God is about righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now there. There are believers you can look at and you say, you know, that is mighty important to them. There's some guys, some TEs, I'm on, I'll be a little irritated in this, teaching elders in the PCA who flaunt it. Who flaunt it. I've got the, i got the liberty. And who are you to tell me what I can't do? And they will flaunt it. That, folks, is a sin. 
That is not walking in love. Walking in love is being careful. Careful. Even though you have the freedom. If you got the freedom, that's fine. You do it at home. Sorry. Um, 18. For he who in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. Look, you live that way, walking in love, keeping your mind on what's really important, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what God embraces. That's what God accepts. That's what really makes you approved by men. The blatant exercise of your liberty is going to get you more accepted by men. The moderation, the carefulness will. 19. So then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Now, he says, we're about to, we're to be about two things. One's peace and one's building each other up. Remember what he said in Romans 12? If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. We're to build up, we're to edify each other. And look at the verb he uses there. We are to do what? We're to pursue it. We're to run for it. We're to try hard to accomplish it. We're to pursue those things which make for peace and which build others up. 20. Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. There it is again. All things indeed are clean, but they are evil for the man who eats and gives offense. Again, he's, how many times has he said it in this chapter? You may have the freedom, but if you offend this person for you, that is a sin. 21, it is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything by which your brother stumbles. Again, you may have the liberty, but if there's a brother or a sister around that may stumble over it, then you be careful. When I'm in public, at a wedding reception or a party, even though I might, I might drink a glass of wine twice a year, maybe. Nothing wrong with it. I don't think I like it myself. I'd rather have a Coke, Diet Coke. <laughs> but I'm not going. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to drink it in that context. Even I had the freedom. Even I liked it. I, w- I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it because lots of people there are saying, why is the why is the pastor drinking that beer? Why is the pastor drinking that wine? Huh? And they'll stumble all over it because of it. Twenty two. The faith which you have as your own conviction before God the faith which you have have as your own conviction before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself and what he approves. That is, don't force your opinions on others. Have your own conviction before God. 23. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats because his eating is not from faith. And whether it's not from faith is sin. He's, he's gone back over to this side again. This person is not to impose his freedom on this guy and this guy isn't to, you know, okay, I'll try it. We know it's wrong for him because that's sin. 
Augustine said this, in essentials, unity. In not essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. That's a good rule to live by. In the things that are essential, we need to be unified as one. In the non-essentials, we need to give some latitude and some liberty. But in all of it, whether you're on this end or this end, this is, we might call this the legal, the legal list side, and this we might call the antinomian side if you want to stretch it. In both sides, we're supposed to have charity. We're to walk in love. All right. Any questions about that? Pretty clear, huh? I could probably be more clear. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. God, thank you so much for your word. And we thank you for passages like this that are clear, where Paul just seems, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, just trying his best to, to make a point over and over in different ways. Just help us tonight to get the point. Whether we're among the weak or the strong, or whatever area it may be, help us always to deal with one another in love and charity and with great grace and to accept each other because you've accepted us in Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all.